And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey everybody, how are we doing? Um, welcome to uh, episode number of The Drop Set. I don't know what the number is. I'm not even going to pretend to look it up. One, 13, 14, I don't know, 227. You got me. It's spring break edition. Woohoo! Party time, everybody. March 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Is anybody hung over today? If so, um, you have a more interesting life than I do, apparently. Um, I had a cheat meal last night, but it was just a little bit of pizza, alcohol-free. So, you know, uh, no, nobody knows how to party quite like I do. Yeah, buddy. Um, so spring break edition. Yeah, it's cool. What am I doing for spring break? I'm sitting here working, recording a podcast. What are you doing? Hopefully something more exciting than that, although this is fun. It's a little overdue. I'm a little late here. Um, but, you know, based on everything that we've been talking about or everything that I've been talking about, and you've been having to listen to me ramble on about on end um, for the past couple weeks, you know, um, I'm getting pulled in a lot of other directions here. <laughs> kind of uh, just taking a little bit of personal time as well, a little downtime, but still, uh, you know, still keeping this thing alive. We're not going away here. Don't don't you worry about that. Just need a little time to regroup, focus on uh, clients, business stuff. You know, the stuff that does in fact pay the bills. And then, uh, yeah, I'll try to keep you guys entertained, informed when I can. And uh, you know, we'll get back to a twice a week format pretty soon here. I do hope. Um, the first thing that I wanted to kick it off here was. Um, a little bit of news that dropped last week. Um, I believe it was last week. What's the date on this thing here? Um, the date is, well, March 7th um, is when this indictment came down. And this is from the um, Southern District of Florida, U.S. District Court. And this was the indictment against uh, P.J. Braun and Aaron Singerman, um, the founder or co-founders of both um, Blackstone Labs and Redcon One. So um, the indictment's new. Um, as you know, if you're familiar with this, um, one thing that is often said about this indictment is that the it is new, but the charges are not. This goes back many years, as, as far back as 2012, in fact. Um, and what it comes down to ultimately is, you know, they're, they are accused. And I will go ahead and just blanket a blanket statement here, and I will issue this and say, just pretend I'm throwing in the word allegedly in front of every one of these things so that I don't have to continue saying it over and over again. I'm not a legal analyst or expert. I will forget to say it if I try all the time. So I'm just going to issue that blanket statement right here. All of these are allegations. Now, reading through the indictment, which I would strongly recommend that you do, and if you Google um, P.J. Braun, Aaron Singerman indictment, um, you will find uh, there's an article, Generation Iron has a write-up of it, and there's a link in there um, to the Department of Justice um, where you can read um, the charges in summary, and then if you scroll down to the bottom of that, it's a fairly short article. Um, they have a link to a PDF of the indictment as well, so you can scroll through that. It's 39 pages, worth a good quick read if you're interested. Um, so the allegations in here are that um, these two companies, both um, under what uh, what are relayed to be fairly similar practices, um, were spiking supplement products with illegal components. So, um, or, or components that were not FDA approved, things like SARMs, dimethazine, things like that. And, you know, you, you can say what you want about the efficacy or the safety of, of SARMs. And I would advocate and say, well, it, those things aren't tested. You know, a lot of this stuff is not tested and you, you are, it, it's silly to take in things that have not been tested, just relying on anecdotal evidence. And that is why if anybody asks me about um, you know, pro-hormones pro or SARMs or anything like that, and I will say, well, 
you know what that stuff is technically legal although there it's it's kind of shady how those things are legal um you can take them without explicitly breaking the law so far um how much longer that will be the case is to be determined um but these these products are so unknown and so especially for people who are trying to go the competitive route um, what I will say is, you know, if you take any of these products, they're all banned substances from any natural organization. So if you're going to take something that's going to ban you, you should take a legitimate anabolic that has had many, many clinical tests run on humans because these are things that are prescription medications. Now, you would not be using them as such, and so you would still be relying on a little bit of anecdotal evidence like, you know, nobody's going to write you a prescription for 750 milligrams a week of testosterone. But um, the, the side effects are known. The risks are known. It is a known quantity. Um, the other issue with that is getting a product that is of reputable quality. Now, you can also test for that. There are test kits available. How many people actually use those? I don't know, but it's an option at least. So you have the ability to get something that has, um, that you can first of all verify what it is to some extent. Um, and a lot of those test kits are color match text text kits. So um, you will like play chemist in your own little room and you will, you know, take a, a sample of something and put it on a test strip and it will change color and then you'll match that against a color chart and you can say like, okay, well, this is in fact testosterone. Great. Um, but it's hard to judge purity off of a... Uh, off of a color match test strip. So, you know, they're, they're imperfect, but it's something at least. You can verify, okay, I am actually, you know, getting what I'm paying for here, even if maybe it's a little underdosed or something like that. Um, the uh, And you, you have to also draw some conclusions on what is a safe and effective dose. But um, the problem is those are things that are knowable. And with SARMs and pro-hormones, you are dealing with things that are simply not knowable and they're untested. So um, I think you're, you're automatically putting yourself into a bit of a deficit um, if you go that route. And that's not to advocate like everybody should use illegal stuff. But you know what? If you're going to use a banned substance, um, do you want to use something that's a total unknown or something that has the ability to be more known and we know more about it? Um, that That's the, okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox there. Um, so as far as this indictment is concerned, you can say like, well, you know, they're spiking it with things and, you know, I'm, I'm a, a huge, I'm not, I'm saying hypothetically, somebody might say this, this is not my stance. I'm a big advocate of SARM. So if they want to put something in there, that's going to give me a little extra boost on, you know, my pre-workout or whatever. Great. The problem is these allegations represent very shady business practices and they are putting things knowingly, allegedly, uh, in products that are not on the label. That is shitty. That is a really, really bad business practice. That is terrible. It's unethical. Um, it's just bad. It's bad. And what this indictment um, alleges, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm rem rem remembering that word pretty well here. What this indictment alleges also is that they went to extreme lengths to, uh, the, I mean, this was a, a willful act and they tried to hide it really well to the point where um, the, the indictment outlines um, allegations of creating additional companies to offload products that would be seized soon otherwise, so that they didn't have to sell it through the Blackstone Labs name or the Redcon One name. They could take those same products, stick it in a different package, and sell it under a company with a different name that they still owned or one of their associates owned, um, and they'd still be able to offload product at a reduced rate and not just have to eat the inventory. So, um, 
and, and uh, th things outlined in here talking about, you know, uh, you know, if we are rated, make sure that this stuff gets hidden. I mean, this is not a company. And I know that there are a lot of fans of Blackstone Labs and Redcon 1 out here. And I understand also that they put out some decent products. However, this is not a company that I have any interest in supporting whatever, neither of these. And this is just based on allegations, but you know what? There's a lot of companies out there that don't have allegations like this based on them. So there's a little bit of this mob mentality going on, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, but allegations still carry some weight, um, especially allegations in federal court. So, um, and if you read through it, it's pretty damning. It really is. Now, how this is all going to play out, who knows? And so you can very well say, you know what? I'm not going to make any decisions until we know for sure. But I'm saying the allegations themselves speak volumes. Um, and uh, you can absolutely bet I will be staying the hell away from anything put out by these companies, whether or not it's a specific product in question, but just based on the way these allegations spell out how they do business. I don't want to throw my dollars towards companies like that that are actively under these allegations trying to deceive people that are trying to keep them in business. Um, I just don't dig it. I don't support that at all. So um, you are welcome to make your own decisions, draw your own conclusions based on that, but don't do it based on emotion. Like, well, I've had a really good experience with this product. Read the indictment. Go do it. Re read the indictment. I, I strongly encourage. I mean, it's it's 39 pages. It's kind of a dry read, but there's some interesting stuff in here. Um, and if you if you read through it, I mean, it spells things out in pretty clear detail with dates um, about the the chronology of um, how these companies came about, who was paying money to who, who loaned money who, um, what specific. Um, uh, uh, illegal substances were um, spiked in specific products. Um, you know what the the measures that they went through to try and hide this stuff um, from authorities, from consumers as well. That's the big thing for me um, is that they're trying to hide this stuff from people who are buying the products. Um, that's just not not okay. Um, you put anything on a anything in a product that's not on the label. I'm not okay with that. No. No. I mean, there have been numerous other scandals like this. This is probably the um, one of the most, um, the, these allegations represent probably the most elaborate scheme to defraud customers that I've ever seen before. Um, and also the names associated with it carry some weight as well. And that's why we're talking about it, really. I mean, it's, it's PJ Braun, it's Aaron Singerman, you know. So um, these are guys that, that go back in the industry. They've got uh, or had some credibility. And uh, now, eh, maybe not so much. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, is anybody going to end up in jail from this? Uh, you know, I, I am... Uh, I, I am not a lawyer. Uh, I do not play one on TV. Um, I'm related to one, two, actually, through marriage. <laughs> my my wife's brother and sister are both lawyers, but uh, I have not consulted them on this. Um, I, I, I would be surprised, just reading through the indictment, I would be surprised if most of the uh, most of those indicted here do not spend some time in jail. I would be really surprised. So um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I will keep you posted as I know more on that. So um, anyway, just a, a fascinating tale with which to to start the episode here. Maybe not so fascinating if you are uh, Mr. Braun or Mr. Singerman or any of the others indicted here. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's it's interesting for us to talk about, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on uh, on anything related to that as. As well. So 
Um, that being said, we've got um, some ground that we can cover here. Um, just because, you know, I've been slacking a little bit. Still been getting a few messages here and there from people. Um, some Instagram messages, um, some emails from people, some voice messages as well. So let's get to those. And keep in mind, you know, the, the voice line is always open. 865-518-2974. Call in, leave a message. We'll play it here. Um, it's your chance to kind of guide um, the discussion on where this show goes. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, this is Jason Lobb from Seattle, Washington. Just giving you a call. I'm starting to fall in love with the lifting strap. You've been encouraging me to use them and doing great. The question I have, is it safe to use the lifting strap with dumbbells, any dumbbell presses? More so is when you're putting the dumbbells down, can it accidentally snap your wrist? I don't know. But answer the question. It's good to hear from you. Love the show. All right, bye. Jason, thank you. Full disclosure, Jason is a, uh, a client of mine. I feel like I should say that whenever I get a message from somebody who is a client, just because um, I don't know. Otherwise, it just I don't know. It seems a little uh, <laughs> a little devious otherwise. And uh, you know, if a, if a family member or my wife ever calls into the show, I'll disclose that too. So <laughs> anyway, that's a good question, Jason. Um, so uh, lifting straps are they safe or appropriate to use with dumbbell exercises? I would say. Um, yeah, kind of. I have other reservations with lifting straps, and it depends. So realistically, we're talking about a few distinct exercises here. So basically, anything where you are going to be holding a dumbbell for an extended period of time and pulling in some way. And so by pulling, I would include with that like a Romanian deadlift um, done with dumbbells. That's still a pulling exercise. It's for the legs, but it's a pull. Um and uh, like a, a dumbbell row of some kind. So um, it, uh, it depends. It, it depends on a few things, and not, not the most insignificant of those is your skill in using the straps. Like, can you go from totally solid grip and then just like by letting go of your fingers have the whole thing instantaneously unwrap and fall out of your hand? Like, do you have that level of control over it? If so, you can get yourself out of a jam pretty easily. Um, now let, let's talk about when it's not, a, not appropriate to use those. First of all, I wouldn't do it on any kind of a bicep exercise, like any kind of, any kind of a dumbbell curl, just because it, it, it's, it's not helping there. It's not doing anything there necessarily. You don't need a strong grip on bicep exercises. If you find your forearms are taking over and gripping the dumbbell, well, that's kind of going to kind of kill your bicep activation to some extent. So I, I would advocate a looser grip there. Don't try and squeeze the dumbbell to death. Don't choke it. Um, just hold it, you know? So I don't think it's appropriate for that. Um, any kind of pressing movement, um, lifting straps are, first of all, not productive. I see people who will like use lifting straps and strap in for a bench press, and that to me just says this person does not know the, the point of a lifting strap because you don't need a strong grip for a bench press. You, know, you don't need to be secured to the bar um, with something connecting the two of you. Um, for a bench press. It's not useful. It's not productive in any way. A wrist wrap would be helpful. A lifting strap is not helpful for a bench press. So it's a grip aid. Anything where your grip struggles or can become a weak point in the movement, that's when a, a lifting strap gets useful. So we're talking about pulls, basically. Basically, almost any back exercise except for a pullover um, and a leg exercise that would require you to hold heavy weight. Um, and you know, I, I would even say probably, well, I would not include a farmer's carry in that because uh, a farmer's carry is designed to strain the forearms to some extent also. And so if you're using lifting straps for your farmer's carry, you're taking you know, some of the benefit out from it. The idea with a lifting strap is it does not let a, a weak grip diminish your 
back development. Like if if you find yourself where you're constantly stopping your set because your forearms are tired, even though your back isn't, that speaks to a technique error, but it's also something that you can help to resolve by the use of lifting straps. So is it safe to use on dumbbell exercises? I mean, I, I use them for, um, I, I, I do always. Yes. Um, the other day I posted a video of this where I was using dumbbells for a three point row, a one arm dumbbell row. Um, and, uh, so I, I will strap in for those. And I think the video that I posted was using 130 pound dumbbells. So the issue there, but I was aware of this. So Jason, you're smart to ask the question because you do need to be aware of, okay, what are the potential risks with this? Well, the risk is on the last rep of the set, like I'm, I'm going down pretty low and I'm reaching pretty low and I'm getting a good stretch in my lats on every rep, but I'm not hitting the floor on that last rep. All bets are off. Cause I'm gassed and that dumbbell's hitting the floor and it's hitting it pretty aggressively. Um, just because I've, I've lost control over the weight at that point. I can't like just clink gently set it down. You know, it's, it's going to make a bit of a thud. Um, and there is potential since your hand and the dumbbell are connected, you can't just necessarily drop it. Um, and with a 130 pound dumbbell, I'm not necessarily going to trust, although I, I do have a pretty adept skill in going from strong grip to totally losing it, um, instantaneously pretty much. I'm not going to risk that just because if I'm wrong and I'm off, like if, you know, I'm fatigued from the set and I'm, I got one finger that's kind of holding on, then that's going to have a problem and the thing's going to come off at a weird angle and it could, you know, roll over and jam into my foot or something like that. It becomes less predictable. So, um, what I do is, you know, I'm on that last rep, I'm reaching down for the ground and I'm hitting it pretty, pretty hard. And, you know, they're, they're rubber coated dumbbells. It's a rubber coated floor. So I know there's going to be a little bit of a bounce. And so I kind of anticipate that, that, um, that rebound. And at the same time, I will disengage the strap right at that point of contact. So it's something that I've had years and years of practice doing. I'm really comfortable with it. Um, if you are less so, I would think twice about it just because that is a potential point where your wrist could get jammed up with the rebound coming back and, and you know hitting your, your wrist while it's in that flexed position. It wouldn't be good. Um, it would be, be kind of sucky, actually. Um, so that, that is really, when I'm looking at lifting straps and really any exercise where they're appropriate to use, like I wouldn't advocate them for a bench press or a shoulder press or anything like that. Um, but where they're appropriate, that's the one trigger point where I'm like, that's what I got to be careful with. And it is a dumbbell exercise. So very good question, though. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you asked it. It's not one of those things that I would typically think to bring up, but it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, let's go. Um, let's go over to uh, a, a, a non voicemail. So this is actually from a while back. I'm getting smarter. And some of the emails and stuff that I get, uh, I am. Uh, saving some of these notes in a file um, that I keep in a folder in my uh, to-do pile that is uh, creatively marked podcast. So um, this comes from Megan from Houston. Megan, full disclosure, is a client also. <laughs> so um, she says, and I, I will just quote here, <clears throat> I have a friend that's been posting about trying to grow and bulk for a while now, and their method seems to be going to Taco Bell and ordering five of their biggest burritos and call that bulking. I would say, interjecting here is Darren, that's fair. That will bulk you up. Yes, there is there's productive bulking and there's unproductive bulking. So um, Megan continues, is this actually a way to do that? It seems kind of counterintuitive, and I was curious what your opinion was on that. I have to say it's frustrating to me sitting here eating rice cakes uh, to enjoy every single carb I can and uh, see on my feed that she's over there eating six donuts for breakfast. Yeah, uh, I get it. I get it. So that is the difference between a clean bulk and a dirty bulk. And so... Um, Megan also, so for everybody else out there, uh, Megan has been busting ass 
and kicking it and taking names and uh, just every week it seems like things are you know with, with her they're just ramping up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and I'm getting like you know it never really took much convincing for me, but I'm getting more and more impressed by her with every week that goes by. I mean, it's really, it's really kind of remarkable. She's really, really been killing it. Um, so, but we have been on, um, an extended, uh, fat loss phase for a while. So Megan, I got to tell you, first of all, it is totally natural from where you're sitting and from your perspective to be pissed off by anybody who's in a growth phase, regardless of how they're doing it. You've been at this for a while and uh, eventually it's going to be your turn as well. Like we're going to be like, all right, this is where we want to be. And now we can kind of see, okay, what in our physique do we want to build up? All right, cool. Let's shift to growth. So for a lot of people, especially when you're first getting to this um, and you're coming in, you know, you're, you're deconditioned, you're carrying extra weight, but you know, like I want to compete, but I got some work to do to get there. Uh, you know, it could be a, a prolonged cutting effort as you really kind of get into the whole routine, ramp up your intensity, et cetera. It can take a little while to get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm comfortable with my body composition here, fairly lean, leaner than I've ever been before. This is good. And now let's focus on growth. So having the patience to kind of sit through and watch other people who are taco belling and donating their way to, well, maybe a less ideal physique and thinking they're doing it on purpose. And, you know, I say this from the perspective of somebody who's done that many times, <laughs> more times than, I mean, it would be embarrassing to admit, uh, I, I, I will not say I'm doing it right now, um, mostly just because Taco Bell and donuts are not my current vices, but I have other vices. They involve five guys and Marco's pizza, <laughs> so I'm kind of getting there, but at the same time, it's not an everyday kind of thing. Like Those are my cheat meals, so I'm trying to keep it pretty much on the up and up, and you know, if my coach were to interject right now, she'd say, what about your check-in last week? And I'd say, shut up, Lainey. This isn't about you. You know what? Take that negative attitude and go somewhere else. This is my podcast. You see your way out of it. Thank you, um, but she'd be totally right. <laughs> so um, so th this is a dirty bulk. Uh, and you know, the idea being, you know, you need calories, you got to have calories. And the, the thing is, this usually follows a phase where you've been prepping uh, or where you've been cutting and you've just been prepping everything and measuring everything out to the gram. And frankly, after a while, you get sick of that. And you're like, I just want to live like a normal person. And so if that means for you, I mean, if your idea of normal person eating involves Taco Bell and donuts, that's kind of like your way of rebelling. Um, but then you also justify it in your own mind by saying, well, I'm trying to grow, so I need the calories anyway. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's the old concept, garbage in, garbage out. You know, there, there is something to the uh, argument where you hit your macros and the food quality doesn't matter all that much. Um, I, I will always push back on that a little bit, but generally speaking, I think within reason, that's true. You know, if, you're, if, if some of your food is a little junky here and there, you're going to feel better when things are cleaner when your digestive system is operating at, at peak efficiency, um, you know, when, when you're, when you're going for carb sources that are going to sustain you for longer, um, things that are going to fill you up. And, you know, if you're eating 3000 calories a day and still starving, um, you know, look at your food choices and see if that might have something to do with it. Um, just because you can eat junk and you can eat a lot of it and not really fill yourself up. Um, which is why I think on a cut going with cleaner food sources is much better just because calories are fewer and more far between. So you're going to need to go with higher quality food sources that are going to fill you up a little bit more and last longer. So, um, but there, there is something to the argument where, you know what, it, it's, it's your macros and that's what really matters. And I would say, especially during a bulk, I really get 
the uh, the idea of and the benefit of taking a little bit of a break from measuring everything down to the gram for every single damn meal. I mean, yeah, it, it wears down. And I don't care how hardcore you are. Eventually, most people are going to find a breaking point at some, at some point. So um, there is that. However, if you're going Taco Bell and donuts, um, I got to see what your macro totals are because I doubt you're hitting them. <laughs> Like you're probably going to be going over on your fats um, unless you have a really generous fat allowance. Um, and if so, it's probably because you're working your ass off. Um, so there, there are ways where somebody in Megan's scenario here can do that and make it work and it would be okay. I would say it's probably the exception and it's more likely because I've seen this many times where you're doing this um, and it's you're not hitting your numbers and you're not even close. Now, if you are and you're like, yeah, I can work in – I mean, I'm looking at my macros right now and where they are. I'm like, you know what? If I was totally jonesing for cho- for Taco Bell and donuts, I could make like a Taco Bell meal and a donut work into my macros. I could totally do that. Um, but if I'm buying a thing of donuts, and just to be clear, when I talk about donut, I'm talking about the only donut that actually counts, which is an Entenmann uh, chocolate-covered chocolate cake donut. That's the only thing that really matters. And I know I will get some arguments from other people saying, well, what about this? What about that? And I just have to say, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Um, that, that's it. End of discussion. That is the only donut that exists on the planet is an Entenmann's chocolate-covered chocolate cake donut. And they sell them. And I'm not talking the mini ones because those are chocolate-covered, but they're not chocolate cake donuts on the inside. They're like white donuts on the inside. Fuck that. No, imposters. Um Many a time, I thought I have found little miniature chocolate cake donuts from Entenmann's and been disappointed when I bite into one. Now, not, not so disappointed that I, that I would then throw away the rest of them. I mean, you know, the, I don't want to waste anything, but ugh, it's still disappointing. Uh, but the problem with those is they're the larger ones, and you can only buy them in packs of eight. So I could make one, maybe two of those work for some post-workout carbs. I'd have to pull some dietary fats down elsewhere because they're going to add up really fast. Um... But the problem is, if I'm bringing eight of those into the house and I'm only supposed to eat two on a given day, I'm just telling you, it's really unlikely that that's going to happen. That was my intention for my birthday two weeks ago. And I picked up some of those donuts just because I'm like, hey, it's my birthday. Yeah, they're all gone that day. Yeah, that was about 2,000 calories. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I realize I'm oversharing once again. I'm going to lose all credibility. Like, okay, I'm now going to listen to Darren's podcast. I think he's renamed it the Fat Ass Podcast. And I may. I may do that. That would be that would be fair. That would be fair. Um, I'm feeling it at this point. But, uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Anyway, um, it is possible to make it work. But it, it is difficult, and it will take a little bit of self-restraint um, in some cases. And I would say more often than not, it's it's not working. Like it's happening, but you're you're busting your numbers a little bit. So, um, but Megan, continue fighting the good fight. It's a great question. It absolutely is. And just, I'm just telling you, y- your time will come. So hang tight on that. Um, let's go to another message here. Hey Darren, this is uh, Malcolm from Louisiana. I had one question and one thing I'd like to know. Uh, what? Hold on. Okay, Malcolm, I'm holding on, and I include that only because then we have this. Hey, Darren, this is Malcolm from Louisiana. Sorry about the first call. I forgot what I was about to say. Uh, my first question is, have you ever dealt with a client coming to you from another coach who had their calories too low and you actually increased their calories, but they were still able to lose weight? And also, the second question, which really isn't a question, i just like for you to go over, like, your daily – 
a full day of eating for you in your off season or bulk, whatever you want to call it. Thanks, Darren. All right, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Malcolm. I include that only because the uh, the note mes- mes- mentions the uh, the previous call, so I figured, hey, you know, we'll all hear it. So um, anyway, I uh, I appreciate that, Malcolm. Good good question there, and um, then we'll talk about the other point as well. So have I ever had somebody who comes from another coach with their calories too low? We bump them up and they still lose weight. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, that is really really common for a couple of reasons. First of all. Um, I'll just say right here, I'm probably going to toot my own horn a little bit. Sorry. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm allowed a little bit, right? It's within reason. It's going to be within reason. I promise that. Um, so, first of all, oftentimes, you know, coaches um, very frequently tend to get really aggressive when it comes to calorie deficits to the point where um, they're, they're not giving the person enough to really get done what needs to get done like you know in order to continue dropping weight you can't just starve yourself you gotta you know mitigate it a little bit so if you're just low calorie every day not getting any refeeds you're gonna get stuck and then that person's gonna get frustrated they're gonna be like screw this i need another coach who's this darren guy whatever he seems like a bit of a tool but he also seems like you might know what he's talking about so let me just reach out to him and say okay he wants paper he wants me to take some photos fine whatever this asshole fine here's your pics whatever okay cool and he goes like man he wants me to get a carb up like right away cool and then suddenly that's the catalyst like we do a big cheat meal or a carb up almost right out of the gate it just depends on what the circumstances are but um it has happened many times where uh that will happen and then we get a big carb up in and along with that i'm like hey here's your plan here's what we're doing um thanks for coming on board i know i'm giving you a high carb day right out of the gate i need you to trust me on this one because i you sent me your meal plan before you told me you've been on that for months without any deviations at all and you know you sent me your weight chart as well so i can see what's going on this is what you need watch and then we'll get that and sometimes their weight will spike up a bit sometimes their body's just so starved and so depleted for any kind of carb or just some caloric influx that boom immediately we see a weight drop that they've been waiting months for um you can't be afraid to eat um, even when you're cutting, you've got to eat enough to give your body a reason to cooperate with you. So, um, the other thing often, and, and I fully, fully believe this. And what I say all the time is your body will follow where your brain goes first. So if you are in a position where you feel like you're stuck and you're getting frustrated, your body's just going to shut down as far as changes go. That's all there is to it. Um, and I've seen enough evidence for this to know for an absolute fact that it happens. It's a physiological thing. You know, <laughs> your brain sets the expectations and your body will then follow those expectations. And if your brain thinks that you're stuck, your body's going to agree with it, even if it shouldn't. Even if it doesn't have a real biological reason for it to, um, it's going to agree with that just because your brain controls everything. So um, one thing that people can do then is they can jump horses midstream. And say, okay, well, you know, I'm going on this path with my coach, but I'm not, you know, I'm frustrated. I don't feel like they're listening to me. I don't like the plan that's in place here. My training is boring, whatever. Let me switch coaches. And then just by virtue of switching coaches and going to someone new and having some kind of a coaching honeymoon phase again, it kind of ramps up their intensity. It refocuses their brain a little bit. They're processing um, the stuff that's coming into them and their plan in a slightly different way, just with a different mindset. And then their body follows that as well. And then whatever plateau they were on, which they had likely created for themselves, at least in part, is gone. They busted through it just by virtue of changing things up. The other thing that I will say is um, I do not accept, I do not tolerate um, making the assumption that you know as my client what you're doing with your training. 
Like you can say like, I'm really experienced in the gym. I've been lifting for a long time. Like, great. So have I, I still get really good feedback from my coach on where I can ramp it up a little bit. So let me do the same for you because clearly what you've been doing isn't working and your training is part of that. So we should probably look at ramping up your intensity a little bit. So I'm going to want to see some proof, some video proof of how things are working in the gym and we're going to find ways to improve upon that. So, um, but yes, I would say it's almost when, when somebody comes to me from another coach, um, it's almost expected that if they were at a plateau before, um, that we're going to bust through that pretty much immediately. I would expect that. Yes, 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 yes. So. And then you'd said, um, go over a full day of eating. Happy to. Um, uh, it would be great if I could do that while I was eating as well. And you could listen to the uh, the full mouth podcast here. Um, so right now I am on a growth phase. My current numbers are, let me see if I can remember these off the top of my head, um, 330, 220, 75. So 330 grams of protein, 220 grams of carbs, 75 grams of fat. So, and that, you know, I'm, I'm, slowly, 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 and steadily growing on that. It's not a ton of calories. You know, I don't have the ability to process 400 grams of carbs like I did when I was younger. That, that's gone. So 220 for me, um, it's satisfying. It, it's sufficient. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. There are days where I'm like, man, I'm kind of stuffed, frankly. So, And the 330 grams of protein has a lot to do with it as well. I will typically, if, if left to my own devices, I will typically go a little bit lower on protein. But you know what? I'm not writing my own macros. My coach is doing that for me. So she she gives the targets, and then I'm like, all right, cool, we'll do it. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worry less about myself because I got plenty of other people to worry about, and I need somebody else to worry about me. So those are the targets. So what I do, and uh, if you've been listening, you know my strategy for macros in that um, I will uh, – get my numbers and then, and that's on a Saturday check-ins on Saturday and she'll respond to me Saturday or Sunday. And once the new numbers come in, um, and they haven't changed in the past couple weeks, they didn't change this last weekend. Um, cause I was a little sloppy in my diet last weekend. I alluded to that earlier, um, or last week actually. So, um, and then at that point, once I have the new numbers, um, or if the numbers are the same, um, I will open up my fitness pal and look at the last day that I logged, which was typically going to be the day of the previous check-in, go back to that and say like, okay, this is what I've been eating all week. Is there anything in here that I want to change? And I'll look at it really quick. And maybe I say yes. And I make a couple changes and then I go shopping and I do my prep, or maybe I say no. And then I go shopping and I do my prep for the same stuff. So right now, the meals that I have been uh, rocking have been the same for uh, for about three months or so. I, I don't change stuff very frequently. Um, I give myself a little bit of flexibility here and there where if, you know, if the wife is uh, making something for dinner, if we decide we want to go out and I don't want to use that as a cheat meal, I will do a little bit of macro kung fu and make some adjustments like, oh, I'm going to need some more dietary fats for dinner today. Let me pull this out. Okay. Or let me save some carbs for there. So I'll, I'll change this meal to something carb free. And uh, that that's my, my general strategy. So, um, what my meals are. I've got six meals currently. Um, I was doing five for a while and then coach bumped up my protein at some point. And so it kind of made sense to go to six meals instead. So meal one, let's just go through it here. Meal one is, is breakfast. This is first pre-workout meal. I've started doing two pre-workout meals. So I have two meals, then I go lift, then I have post-workout and then I have three more later in the day. So currently, uh, meal one is five ounces 98.2 ground chicken, and that's cooked up with garlic powder and fennel seeds in a big batch. I do three pounds at a time. 
um, and uh, it comes out with the sausagey flavor, and that's the, the fennel seeds do that. So um, five ounces, 98.2 ground chicken, three whole eggs, um, which I will crack the eggs, stir them, put them in a pan, salt them, then throw the five ounces chicken on there, and then you just you know let it all cook together, um, and then throw in a handful of my veggie mix that I will use throughout the day with three different meals, this being the first of those, which is just um, a full stalk of celery, um, crown of celery, is that what they call it? Whatever, like the full thing, not just a single stalk, but a full bundle, bunch, bunch of celery. I don't know what the word is. Um, the whole damn thing is what I'm saying. I'll take one of those. I'll take three bell peppers, one green, one red, and one, I almost said blue, um, orange, <laughs> three bell peppers, and then one uh, sweet onion. And I will take those, chop them all up really fine, put them in a container, um, which comes out to be a very large container, and that will last for somewhere between about 12 and 15 meals. Um, and so I'll throw a handful of that in um, with the egg and sausage mix in the pan, and then I'll... Um, uh, cook up 50 grams dry weight cream of rice, throw water in there, cinnamon, sugar-free maple syrup, and then 60 grams of a uh, raspberry and wild blueberry mix on top of that, just frozen, um, and they thaw out in the uh, in the cream of rice mixture. So that's breakfast. Eggs, sausage, cream of rice, veggies, berries, basically. So um, meal two is a Gatorade protein bar. <laughs> so it's, it's a junk food, absolutely. It is good as hell. The, the chocolate chip kind is amazeballs. It is awesome. Uh, so good. And so I actually have that. Like I get in the car to go to the gym. I nosh that sucker down. It's really high in sugars, so it's a really great immediate pre-workout food. It would be good post-workout as well. Um, but it's, it's lower in protein. Like when you've got 330 grams, you know, if you've got something that's got 25 grams of protein as a meal, that's well under your average for where you need to be. My average is about 55 grams is what I need to hit per meal um, in order to hit that. So like breakfast is about like 60, 65 grams. So this comes in a little under that. It's kind of a crappy meal. It's a great snack to munch on and get a quick little burst before going into the gym, though. Um, Post-workout is a protein shake, two scoops of Isopure, and a sleeve, an entire sleeve of reduced-fat Ritz crackers. That contains about 66 grams of carbs, about 12 grams of fat, even for the reduced-fat variety. Um, so that's post-workout. Um, and then I've got, um, later in the afternoon, um, a... Uh, Oh, another protein shake at some point. Um, and these, these next two meals will happen in whatever order. I do a, a turkey veggie meal and then a protein shake. Um, it, sometimes I'll do the shake first. Sometimes I'll do the veggie meal first, whatever, so, or the turkey meal first. So that's the turkey that I use is 98.2 ground turkey. Um, right now I'm doing about nine ounces of that. Throw the veggie mix in there. Add um, salsa, sugar-free ketchup, mustard, um, and a uh, shitload of salt, and that it's delicious. It's awesome. Um, and then the protein shake for meal. And then the last meal of the day is that same turkey veggie meal. So, again, about nine ounces, 98.2 ground turkey, handful of that same um, uh, pre-chopped veggie mix that I've done, um, salsa, sugar-free ketchup, mustard. And then for this last meal, because I do like some carbs at night, I'll throw in about 200 grams of Spanish rice in there as well. So, and what I use is like just uncle Ben's ready rice in a bag, uh, because I am a lazy bastard and I like stuff that's pre-cooked. So, um, and that Spanish rice is so good. I mean, you throw that in the mix and it's like nom, nom, nom. It is so good. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, um, that's it. And 
that is a meal plan that works really, really well for me. Um, I, I quite enjoy it, actually. There's nothing in that that I don't look forward to. It uh, takes a little bit of prep. There's some really convenient things in there. Um, I have a lot of duplication of efforts. I'm not preparing multiple protein sources all the time. I've just got to cook up some chicken here, some turkey there, chop some veggies. That's all the prep that I have to do throughout the week. That's pretty pretty easy, pretty, pretty good, pretty manageable, pretty sustainable. I am behind on my veggie prepping right now, and uh, for my next meal, I will have to go chop some up, but uh, I, I can do it. I can swing that. So um, that's a typical day of eating. I will do a substitution on some days, typically my non-training days, um, where I pull out my uh, the, the protein shake and um, the uh, reduced fat Ritz crackers, the post-workout meal. Typically, I will then... Um, you know, oftentimes I will replace, um, I will also pull out the cream of rice from the first meal. So what I'm looking to do is create a carb hole there. Now my macros are the same, whether I'm lifting or not. But one thing that I like to do just because on those non-lifting days, I've got more time. I'm not going to the gym. So I'm like, I can sit in the kitchen and make some stuff. So I do some protein pancakes and I go hard. So I'll work up, um, two cups of, um, Kodiak cake mix, uh, pancake mix, um, and just sit there and go through this ritual that my wife just gets such a kick out of watching me do she's like you are weird this is just bizarro where i'll like make a pancake and then eat it while i'm making the next one i just stand there at the stove eating a pancake making a pancake eat a pancake make a pancake it's just like she's like you are so so and i'm not sure if she wants to say weird or dumb but it's one of the two and i can't really argue with that i get it but uh, you know, it, it's a, it's the routine, it's the ritual, it's it's comforting for me. I have no idea why, but I'll do that. And you know, when you do two cups of that stuff, you're getting about 50 grams of protein. It's about 100 ish grams of carbs. But I pulled out the 66 grams from my uh, post workout crackers. Um, I've pulled out the 50 ish grams um, that I would have from the cream of rice and berries. Um, and then um, the, the fats end up working out pretty close um, because the, the Ritz crackers, they've got 12 grams of fat. The Kodiak cake mix has about 16 grams-ish, I think, for two cups. So it's not a direct substitution. Oh, one thing I forgot also um, where some of the fats are coming in. I'll throw an ounce of cheese in with that uh, chicken, egg, and veggie mix in the morning. That makes it. Uh, just an ounce of shredded cheddar cheese in there. Awesome. I'm not a huge fan of throwing in a lot of dairy, um, but that's one of those things where I'm like, you know what, that makes a real difference. That makes it something I really look forward to. So um, anyway, that, that's what a full day of eating looks like for me. So great question, though, Malcolm. I appreciate that. Any chance to talk about food? Uh, I'm down with that. So um, now here's the thing. Um, those are all the messages that I had. Now, I've got a couple of other questions that I want to address, but I'm kind of out of time for right here. So um, with apologies to Jackie, and Jackie, you sent me this email a while back and then I told you like hey I'm doing a podcast later today and I'm going to answer that and you're like cool looking forward to it and then that was like three weeks ago um, because you know then everything happened I've been traveling working on other stuff so Jackie I got your thing here though and so the next episode we're getting to that Lisa, you have emailed me a couple times with some great topics to discuss here we're getting to those as well and then uh, over on Instagram uh, Jacob, um, you had, uh, I'm sorry, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Jacobson, your last name. Um, you, uh, you had a good question that you sent to me, um, last week as well. So we will be getting to that as well. So, um, I just want you all to know, like, I got your stuff. Thank you. And we're getting to it all, all in due order here. I'm just trying to, whew, to get caught up a little bit, but I feel like I'm, I'm getting there in little, uh, little, little, little bits and pieces. So anyway, um, 
Love to hear your feedback on any of this stuff on the indictment, the Redcon 1 Blackstone Labs indictment that came down. Um, always curious to hear additional thoughts, um, feedback, input on any of that stuff. So you know how to get a hold of me. You can call in, um, leave your questions, comments, feedback, 865-518-2974. You can reach out for me on social media. Best way is Instagram at Darren underscore star. You can also tweet me at Darren star. Go to facebook.com slash five star physique. Like the page. You can message me through there. You can go to the website website, fivestarphysique.com or thedropset.com. You can click on contact and get a hold of me there. Whatever floats your boat, man. I don't care. You can email me directly, darren at fivestarfitness.com works as well. Um, the uh, email through on the website will go there. So um, that's it. That's what I got. By the way, I know I throw my email address out there. Um, any of you assholes who are listening to this, instead of leaving like a one-star review on iTunes and you're like, this podcast is so bad, I'm going to sign Darren up for a whole bunch of mailing lists that he has to then unsubscribe. First of all, you're going to hell for that. I do not like it. You suck. You're a lousy human being. And karma's a bitch. And it's going to come back to get you. That's all I can say. So, <laughs> I don't... I, I think there's there's one person out there I think that's really got it in for me, and I don't know what, but you know everybody's got their haters. Um, I can I can deal with it, but man, you're hitting me where it hurts. Signing me up for bullshit mailing list. I mean that strikes me at my soul. You really know how to hurt a guy. That that, that stings. That stings. Anyway, I appreciate you all listening. Thank you. Um, have a great day. We'll see if we can come back in and ch- check things up again on Friday and see how things are going then. So have a great weekend in the meantime. Wait, weekend? No, week. Have a great week in the meantime. It's Monday. It's spring break. Yeah. Woo.